Welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the morning service of Sunday the 15th of January 2017, entitled, Seeing the Mountain Tops. And the Bible reading is taken from Genesis chapter 7, verse 17, to chapter 8, verse 5. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. But turn in your Bibles to the book of Genesis, chapter 7, I say, well, Preacher, we just, not too many months back, we just finished, you know, what is it, 30-some sermons in Genesis, I think. I know, and we're back there this morning, and it's just a, really a simple thought that I want to, uh, to share with you, and uh, I trust that it will be a blessing and an encouragement to you. I'm going to begin reading in Genesis chapter 7, verse 17, and I'm going to invite you to stand to honor the reading of God's holy word Again, beginning in Genesis chapter 7 and verse 17. And the flood was forty days upon the earth, and the waters increased and bare up the ark, and it was lift up above the earth. And the waters prevailed and were increased greatly upon the earth, and the ark went upon the face of the waters. And the waters prevailed exceedingly upon the earth, and all the high hills that were under the whole heaven were covered. Fifteen cubits upward did the waters prevail, and the mountains were covered. And all flesh died that moved upon the earth, both of fowl and of cattle and of beast, and of every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth, and every man. And in whose nostrils was the breath of life, of all that was in the dry land, died. And every living substance was destroyed, which was upon the face of the ground, both man and cattle and the creeping things and the fowl of the heaven, and they were destroyed from the earth. And Noah only remained alive, and they that were with him in the ark. And the waters prevailed upon the earth an hundred and fifty days. And God remembered Noah and every living thing and all the cattle that was with him in the ark. And God made a wind to pass over the earth, and the waters assuaged. The fountains also of the deep and the windows of heaven were stopped, and the rain from heaven was restrained, and the waters returned from off the earth continually, and after the end of the hundred and fifty days, the, water were, the waters were abated. The ark rested in the seventh month, on the seventeenth day of the month, upon the mountains of Ararat. Verse 5, and the waters decreased continually until the tenth month. In the tenth month, on the first day of the month, were the tops of the mountains seen. Father, we thank you again for your word that has been preserved that we have before us. We thank you, Lord, that this morning we do not have to depend upon man, but Lord, we have your word and we have the power of your spirit. And so, Father, please help us at this time. Help us not to be distraction. Help those things be put away that we would listen to that which you have for us. Help thy unworthy servant as he stands. I pray, Lord, that you would... Use him for your glory and your honor alone. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen and amen. I was sharing during the Bible study time this morning that it's so exciting in God's Word. You can read something, and, it, and it's just so fantastic what you're reading, and you can go back and read it again, and you see something even more, and you go back and read it again, and the depths of God's Word is just indescribable. And of course, this is one of the stories out of the Bible that gives an account 
of the flood that most children first start hearing from the time if they're fortunate enough to be blessed to either be in Christian homes or to be in Sunday schools, they begin to hear and read about Noah and the ark. And of course, it is a phenomenal story, and there's the vast majority of the world out there that still sees it as some kind of, some kind of fantasy world. And there is a tremendous account here that we read about that I want us to be reminded, but there was something that particularly drew my attention here as we are embarking upon a new year on our calendar. And I can remember that I had read this story many, many times and looked at a lot of different things before it just like, bang, hit me one day that I'd never noticed before. And there in verse 5 when it says, And the waters decreased continually, until the 10th month, but we don't often stop and think and look back, when's the 10th month? Well, we would think of the 10th month usually as October, but of course, in the old Hebrew calendar, the 10th month was actually January. And then it goes on to say, in the 10th month on the first day of the month. It was New Year's Day for us. Now, I know that wasn't what it was on their calendar, but I think, you know, how, how could anybody think that God could just make these things up or plan these things, but all the new beginnings that began with Noah and his family, it was there on New Year's Day, the first day of January on our calendars, that after all that had happened around them and all the total destruction of everything upon the face of the earth, that they looked out and saw the tops of the mountains. And that's what, as we embark upon this new year, I know it's a little different style this morning than my normal expository preaching, but I want us to think on this thought of seeing the mountaintops. You see, here in our account, it was this day when they looked out and they saw those mountaintops, it marked a number of things. It marked the end of a period for them. It marked the end of a period of being shut in, in God's protection while God's judgment was falling upon the sinful, rebellious world that was all around them. But all of that was gone, and as it marked the end to those things, it also marked a new light. They'd been closed in this ark, and suddenly there was new light, and there was new liberty, and there was new life, and all these things. And we find that as they looked out and saw these mountaintops, I, I, I've said before, and I'll repeat myself, that's one of the majesties that is almost indescribable. You know, being a lad that grew up in the, in the foot of the great Smoky Mountains, I can still, even as an old man, I can travel back through those mountains and I can look out across those mountain tops and the, the majesty of it and just to, to try to grasp the beauty of God's creation and all that he's done there. And I'm trying to picture myself if I've been closed up in this ark and it's been, it's been dark in there and, and, and I would imagine that with all those animals, it wasn't the freshest air to be breathing and a lot of these things. And suddenly, when they're there and they, they see this, this new day that is dawn and they, they see these mountaintops as they looked out. And you see, they were assigned to them of a lot of things, but they were assigned to what God had done, yes, but a sign of what God was doing and what God was still going to do. You know, so many times it's when we look upon his, his majesty 
that we realize we think that we've gone through some tough times and some bad times and we've seen some horrible things before. But nobody had ever witnessed the kind of devastation that these people had just witnessed. Nobody had ever witnessed the destruction of every living thing upon the face of this earth except for those that were there in the ark. That's what it said back up there in verse 23. Noah only remained alive and they that were with him in the ark. We were talking this morning about trusting God and God's promises. And this was just another one of those promises that God kept that that would have seemed so totally incredulous that even in our day today, people read about it and they still have trouble. Even though it is a done thing, they still have trouble accepting that it was real. See, God had promised them. God had promised them that he would protect them. God had kept his promises. And God was still fulfilling his purposes through Noah and his family. It should be very encouraging to us as we begin a new year in this life. And, and you know, it's kind of a, a funny thing what God's doing because it's not like suddenly we just pulled out the blinds to one year and it's gone and we open up to another and it starts. There's no real stopping point. Life just, just continues on. But, but as we progress forward, so oftentimes is a time when we do think back and we remember a lot of those things. And some of those things are good things and some of those things are bad things. Sometimes when we're sitting and we're contemplating and, and you know, we need to contemplate, but we need to contemplate with God on our knees in his word. But as we begin a new year, I want you to know and I want you to realize as you look at what has been, maybe you've faced some bad, hard, difficult times in your life but I want you to be able to see the mountaintops as we look forward. I want you to be able to look out and see God at work, God keeping his promises, God doing what he said that he would do. But you know, it doesn't really matter how high those mountains are or how majestic those peaks are. We find that they're just as real right now, even though I'm standing here in, in, in Birmingham, England, they're still just as real back in North Carolina as they were when I was there or if I go back again. But I can't see them from here. And you know, even when you're there, you can't see them from everywhere. You have to be in the right place to see the mountaintops. You have to be in the right place, in that certain place that you've got that view before you. And see, that's what I want to just remind you and help you, and I know these are not deep, profound things, but as we go into a new year, I want you to be in the right place to be able to see the mountaintops, to see God's hand at work, to see not only what God has done, but what he's doing and what he's still going to do in your life and in our church. You see, the ark, as we know from many different studies, the ark is a symbol of God's salvation that God saved those eight souls in the ark when everybody else around them perished. May I say to you, the only place you'll ever see the mountaintops of God are when you 
are in the ark. The ark of the Lord Jesus Christ. That ark of salvation that God has given to each and every one. Everybody else was destroyed. Nobody else could see them. Only those that were in the place. And today, if we're going to see God's work, if we're going to see the mountaintops, we need to first of all know that we're saved, that we're a child of God. You know, I, I look out across this congregation this morning and I can see all of you, but I don't know what's on the inside. I stand here week after week after week preaching and, you know, I, I made God a promise very, very, very early in my ministry that I realized that there's a lot of teaching and maturing and growing that needs to go on. But help me never, ever, to head in any direction except straight to Jesus. <laughs> help me to never get you to look upon anything that excludes him from the picture. If you're here today, I can tell you all kinds of wonderful facts and things from the Bible and other things in the world, but nothing matters if you don't know Jesus. And today, if you want to see the mountaintops that, that we can look out and see in the year ahead of us, then that's the thing I want you to know without a shadow of a doubt is that you're in the ark of safety that comes with Jesus Christ. Spiritual things can only be spiritually discerned. The natural man doesn't understand the spiritual things of God. It's impossible. It's only when God has, has come to live in us and dwell within us, that spiritual awakening, that we're able then to be able to understand a lot of these things. This morning, would you just consider with me a few of the blessings that come from being in the ark, being in the place that you know that you're a child of God, being in the place to where you can see the things that God places before you. You see, the ark is the only place of safety. It's the only place that, that you, you can try to protect yourself all you want. It was only the eight that were in the ark that were safe that day. All the others were completely destroyed. We know that those simple truths the Bible teaches us that the wages of sin is death. You know, we, we've looked at these so many things, but I, I remind you again this morning, it was when sin entered in that death came with it. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The Bible tells us that whoso putteth his trust in the Lord shall be safe. Today, if you're not in that place where you've trusted the finished work of Jesus Christ, you can put your trust in Him. Remember the great old hymn, Leaning on the Everlasting Arms, and one of those phrases says, safe and secure from all alarms. That's the place of safety is in the ark. The ark of Jesus Christ is the only place of safety, but not only of safety, of satisfaction, I, I, I listen, and, and, and words mean so much. And I heard, uh, I heard Brother Rob make a comment in uh, sharing with somebody else about his faith, and he just used this simple word, you know, about this satisfaction. <laughs> the world didn't offer him the satisfaction anymore. You see, the only place to find the world looks for satisfaction. They want to find satisfaction in so many things, and. You know, let's be honest. 
Even the Bible says that there's pleasure for a season out there in the world, and, and people can find pleasure. They can have a, a big time, a good time, so to speak, in the flesh. But it's temporary, and it goes, and it costs. The only place to find real satisfaction is in the ark. Nothing else will satisfy. There were a lot of onlookers when they got onto that ark. I mean, let's face it, they thought this guy had flipped his lid. <laughs> I mean, you're talking crazy talk. I mean, if somebody came up to you, and first of all, you're out there hammering away building this, this monstrous boat out in the middle of dry land. There's no water in sight. <laughs> what is wrong with this guy? And then he starts talking about water falling out of the sky. Well, that's never happened. That's ludicrous. Water doesn't fall out of the sky. They laughed. They mocked. They thought he was crazy. They looked up and they saw the, the blue skies. They saw a fine day. We'd probably find that the ark was just something that was some man's crazy idea, and who would want to go and be inside of that ark when they could be out here in this whole big world of freedom. Noah knew. Jeremiah put it this way. He says, my people shall be satisfied with my goodness, saith the Lord. For the psalmist said, he satisfieth the longing soul and filleth the hungry with goodness. May I say to you today, inside the ark is where you'll find satisfaction. Maybe you're here today. Yes, it's inside the ark that you'll find safety. The wages of sin is death. One day, death is coming to us all. But in Christ, you can have eternal life, the only place. Because one day, God said, just as he promised with Noah, he's going to destroy it all again, folks. The only place you can be safe is inside the ark today. I'm sure after the rain started coming and people want to put it off and they want to procrastinate, they said, I'll sort these things out later. You don't know how much later you've got. Today, the safety is found in the ark and you may have a longing soul that, you know, you just know there, there, there's something that's not there. There's just not the, the satisfaction. Well, it's the Lord that will give you that, that satisfaction. Satisfaction can only be found... Inside the ark, it was only those eight people that found satisfaction, I can assure you. And the other one that I lift, listed was just serenity. <laughs> Safety, satisfaction, serenity. Preacher, why would you say serenity? Because I got to thinking of what this world must have been like. Number one, before Noah and his family went inside that ark, this world was a chaotic, sinful place. I mean, men had stooped to the depths of sin. You can just imagine the ungodliness of this world around us. I can even imagine once they had gone inside the ark and they were there and, and that door had closed, the clamor and the screaming and the banging and those, oh, yes, then they wanted to be part of it. Then they wanted to get inside. Oh, it may have been... A closed-in area, <laughs> but it brought a serenity that none of those others ever knew. You know that peace that just passes all understanding? <laughs> Doesn't make any sense. If 
find that it was there amidst all the chaos, all the tension, all the uneasiness, they found peace. I wonder today, it's just a simple question, but do you know these simple blessings of salvation? Do you know them? Are they real to you? If not, do you want the blessings of salvation? You know, I, I asked the Christians here a couple of Sundays back a very, very just simple question. Do you really want God to have control of your life and to have your life in the year ahead? Do you really want that? Well, I'm asking you here today, if you're here and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you don't know that you're in the place of safety and the only place that will bring you the satisfaction that this world can never give you, the only place that can bring you the serenity from the turmoil and the chaos of this world, do you know that Jesus Christ is the only place that you will find that? He's the only place that the mountaintops can be seen is from the ark. Do you want that in your life today? You see, you note that if you look back in chapter 7 and verse 1 here, it says, And the Lord said unto Noah, Come thou and all thy house into the ark, for thee have I seen righteous before me in this generation. God sent forth the invitation to Noah. God is the one that said, Noah, I want you and all of your house to come in the ark. If you look down in verse 15 and 16, it says, And they went in unto Noah into the ark, two and two of all flesh, wherein is the breath of life. And they that went in, went in male and female of all flesh, as God had commanded him, and the Lord shut him in. You see, it's one thing to know that the ark is there, but it's another thing to accept that the ark is your place of safety and satisfaction and serenity. It's one place to know it, but it's another one to realize that it's God that is inviting you to come inside the place, the place of salvation. Jesus Christ is the only place. But you know, I can read you all the invitations in the world from God's Word, but it's you that must respond just as all of those did when Noah preached the sermon that day. They had the choice to believe accept, receive the Word of God and to act upon it or not to. You're going to make that same choice today. Whether you like it or don't like it or whether you think that you are or not, because you see, I'm putting you on the spot right now. Do you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? I don't care how long you've been a part of this church. I don't care how many times you've been dunked in the water. I don't care how many times that you've read your Bible through. And I don't care how many times that you've taken on all the Christian duties and obligations and, and things that you do around here. What I'm asking you is do you know without a shadow of a doubt that Jesus Christ lives in your soul, that your life, all of your trust, all of your hope is in his finished work? Jesus is saying, come. <laughs> he died on the cross for you. But how will you respond? You know the ark is there. You can respond like the people in Noah's day and say, oh, I don't believe that. <laughs> well, you can accept that it's real. But you've got to get on board. <laughs> you've got to be inside the ark. We take 
the steps of faith when God calls. God does the calling, but you act upon it. One other thought. To see those mountaintops, <laughs> to see those mountaintops, those peaks, wow. You not only have to be in the right place, but you have to be in the right position. You see, the first thing, it's very simple, folks. If you want to see the mountaintops, you've got to be in Jesus Christ. That's it. But may I say that the place in the ark, there's a specific position as well that you have to be. Too many Christians come through the door of the ark, and that's where they stop. <laughs> they stop just inside the door. They don't go any further. The vantage point to see was from the upper deck. <laughs> they couldn't see it down in the bottom. They had to go up before they could see through that window to see those mountaintops so that even though they were in the right place, they still needed to be in the right position. You see, in our Christian lives, the most important thing that you'll ever do is get inside the ark. But folks, I don't want you just existing, just surviving, just living inside the door, maybe down on the lower decks with all of the animals that are down there. I want you to get on the upper decks. I want you to be able to see out and see God's hand at work. I want you to, to be on the upper levels of your spiritual life, not the lower levels. Some Christians are satisfied just living inside the door of salvation, just knowing that they're saved. They have no real desire to climb to the upper decks. They know they're safe from the judgment. They know that they're safe from the destruction. But they're not in a position in their Christian life to really see God at work, to see God doing those things. Remember, it's just been a, a few big weeks back in in. in December, I think it was, when we're talking about the, the wonders of God. God is still a wonder-working God. He's still the same God as He's always been. I want you to see the mountaintops. I don't want you just to survive. We need to, to climb the stairs. We need to get into a position of where we can look out and and see what God is doing all around us. I think there's two mountaintops that I want you just to see. And I know, I know you hear these things all the time. You hear them from me. You hear them from anybody else you listen preach to. The Bible says where there's no vision, people perish. That's not a new verse to us, is it? There's no vision. People perish perish. Sadly, the church as a whole has largely lost its vision. They really have, folks, because we've gotten so good, so polished at what we do. I mean, we've got all the methods and the machinery and the administration and the management and all the other M's you want to add on there. We've got it down pat. <laughs> we can show everybody else how to do it. I'm talking about, though, that special hand of blessing that was on the, the John Wesleys and the George Whitfields and the Charles Spurgeon. 
I'm talking about God doing things that are beyond our explanation, beyond our understanding. We need a lot more. You see, revival is something that God's people need. Revival is not about getting the lost saved. That is an absolute natural consequence of God's people getting right. Revival is within us. And that will affect the world around us and people will get saved. You can carry right on. If you know that you're a child of God, you know that you're saved, you know you're inside of that ark, you can carry right on. Standing right there inside the door of that ark knowing that one day you won't have to face destruction. Or you can have a vision. You can see what God really wants to do. What God can do through you as an individual. You see, revival never starts with that person sitting beside you. Revival always starts in here. Just like everything else with God, it starts in my heart. That's where it's got to begin. All I'm saying to you, folks, Read God's Word. Get to know God. Have a vision for what God wants to do with your life, what God will do with your life, not what you can accomplish, not how big you can build your business, not how much money you can make, not how many degrees you can get behind your name, not anything that this world thinks is so fantastic and superlative. I'm saying, no. Know that God has a specific purpose for you. I believe that with all of my heart. God has a purpose for every one of you. It may sound a little simple and corny, but if God didn't, you wouldn't be here. <laughs> You'd be far better off in heaven <laughs> than here. God's left you here for a reason and a purpose right now. I want you to see, not just hear about, not just read about, I want you to see that mountaintop of revival in your own life. And you know what? I had somebody here some years ago that got a little upset with me because they thought I'd gone heretical when I talked about Jesus coming back this year. They thought I was trying to set a date. <laughs> Do I believe Jesus is coming back this year? You better believe it. <laughs> I believe it more than I did last year and the year before that and the year before that. I'm not setting a date on the calendar, but boy, I'm watching for it. The Bible has a lot to say about watch. I, I believe with every ounce of my being that if we're not truly waiting and watching in anticipation for his return, there's no way we're going to be in the right position to see God at work. Folks, we've got to be alive. We can't just be on the lower decks. We've got to be alive. We've got to be looking for what God's doing, and we've got to be watching and looking for the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. You can't tell me that if you really believed that Jesus was going to come back before the this end of this day or even before the end of this week. You can't tell me that you carry on living your life just like you are doing the same things. We say we believe he's coming back. We say we believe in his imminent return. We sure don't live like it. I'm saying, remember, I hath not seen nor ear heard Neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. 
I believe Jesus Christ can come at any moment, literally. Before we say the last amen, Jesus could be here. I still didn't get. I printed it on the back of your bulletin, if I can find mine. Again, today, the starts of my sermon that I didn't get to preach last week. May I just close? Because you see, the question that I ask you there is, do you want to start right? And do you want to stay right in the year ahead? Then it's going to begin inside your thoughts, your heart, your mind. Is Jesus Christ really first in there? Or are there other things that matter more? You see, I believe that if we're going to see the mountaintops, we've got to be in the right place. We've got to be in Jesus Christ. But we've got to be in the right position. We've got to be in the position that truly, spiritually, we're looking for Him. We're trusting Him. We're not just surviving down here. We've got a vision. We can see what God is doing out there. First in our thoughts. First in your talk. It's amazing sometimes when you listen to conversations. I'm saying, is Jesus really the first thing in your mind and heart and thoughts? And is Jesus the first thing that you want to talk about when you talk? Because if he's first in your life, he's naturally going to be the first thing. So many times the things that are first are maybe our favorite ball team or our favorite actor or our favorite singer or all these different things. That's what we want to talk about. That's what's on our minds. So that's what comes out of our talk. What about if we put Jesus first? What if he's first in our thoughts? What if he's first in our talk? What if he actually is first in our time? I don't have time to do that, preacher. I don't have time to come out on the outreach. I don't have time to go to the nursing home. I mean, I, I, I don't have time to do more than one service a week. And I'm not fussing at you. You know, I've told you before, man, I love and praise God for every service that you're at, for everything that you do, every time that I see your smiling face. But I believe this. I believe sometimes we would spend our time a little differently if he was really first in our lives. First in thoughts, first in talk, first in time, first in tithes. God actually getting the first fruits instead of the leftovers. You know, so many times, preach, I, I just can't afford. I can't afford to give anymore. I can't afford to tithe. I don't say this in a bragging way, but I used to think that way too. <laughs> I got news for you. I don't care where you are financially, you can't afford not to tithe. God's blessings. You know, you're still inside the ark. You're still safe. You don't got to pay your tithes to be saved, folks. Before the law, under the law, after the law, that was always the minimum that God's people did. But you know what? God doesn't want you to give grudgingly. He actually wants you to give hilariously, doesn't he? <laughs> He wants it just to be, way, man, I get to give in the offering again today. Praise God that I've got something to give. I'm just saying, when he's first in your life, it will affect your giving as well. First in your talents, and I'm not talking about there the, the gold talents. I'm talking about your talents, your gifts, your abilities that God has given to you. Is it more important to use them for him or someone else? And 
first in our task. We got a lot of tasks in our lives. And man, sometimes I'm like you. I wish I had a few less tasks, a few less things that I had to get done. But we have no greater task than going to this world with the message of Jesus Christ. There is no greater task that you have to do for anybody in this world than to show them to Jesus. Nothing more. What if that was the most important task in our lives? Instead of that thing that just sometimes gets a little bit here and there to ease our conscience. I want to remind you of this. Are you short on ability and assets? You really don't think that there's any way that you can do any more in any of these areas? Are you short of time? Are you short of money? Guess what? Most of us are. But God gives us the answer. If you put him first, if we believe God, he says in Luke 6, 38, give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down and shaken together and running over. Show me and give into your bosom. I still like to preach this sermon sometime. <laughs> he says, for the same measure that ye meet with all, it shall be measured to you again. See, I shared this last week. And again, I, you know, God bless me. I'll, I'll illustrate it sometime in the future. But, you know, it's, it's great to give in any measure. And, you know, if you're giving with a teaspoon... God's going to give back to you, pressed down, shaken together, running over. He's going to give back a whole lot more than you give. What was that? The same measure that you meet with all, it shall be measured to you again. You, you, you get back more teaspoons from him than you give. I could get one of the shovels. Uh, Peter's out from under the thing over here, though. Man, you start giving in shovelfuls. Guess what? God's going to give back in shovelfuls. I could go back in the back room. I still got a wheelbarrow sitting back there from Harvest Sunday. You want to give in wheelbarrows? Guess what? God's going to give back, pressed down, shaken together, running over. He's going to give back more wheelbarrows than you'll ever have. Or I said, just bring on the dump truck. <laughs> I don't care. You can't outgive God. I know. Believe me, I know. I know your heart. I know the feeling. I know that time can be short. I know that money can be short. What I'm challenging you, praise God, is just put Him first. Be in the right place in the right position to see God's wonders, to see the mountaintops, to see what God is doing, to see that he's keeping every one of his promises, to see that he's the one that's keeping his promises to you. He's taking care of you. He's protecting you. He can't break his promises. The right place is in Jesus Christ. The right position. The right position is being as spiritually high as you can, to being as close to Jesus Christ as you can, being with him, giving him the right place in your life. Folks, we're going to close with this simple question this morning. If you're here and you don't know that you're in the right place to see the mountaintops, you don't know that you're in Jesus Christ, the ark of salvation. God's shown you the ark. He's invited you to come. He's promised that if you'll come, that he'll forgive you. He's promised that if you'll put your faith and trust in him, 
For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. That's to you here today. You need to get inside the ark, and you need to know you're inside the ark. And for all of you that are inside the ark, are you just existing down by the door, down on the lower levels? You're saved. Are you trying to climb the stairs? Are you trying to get higher in your spiritual walk? Are you trying to get up there where you can spend more time with him and be with him and give him the first place in your life to where you can have a vision and see out and see what God's doing and what God wants to do with your life? Christians, the choice is yours. God's given it to you. But you're the only one that can act on it. You can go right on existing and you will be saved. But your Christian life can be so much more than that. Father, I thank you this morning that, Lord, I know this has been a simple thought and a simple message, but I was reminded, Lord, as I <laughs> was reading and praying that, Lord, this was on the first day of January, <laughs> our New Year's when it all started. That, <laughs> that's really, that's just one of those little nuggets, you know, that, <laughs> Lord, can only happen with you. But, Father, as we look at that today and we're reminded of what you did for those eight people on that ark, we're reminded, Lord, that in the New Testament you've given us another ark, and that ark is Jesus. He is our ark of salvation. Lord, you know the hearts of each one here this morning, and if there be that one that needs to be saved, please, Lord, help them not to procrastinate, to put it off and hope that there's another day. They may think that what we're talking about and what we're doing is just, you know, crazy stuff for they may think that, well, maybe that could be true, but I'll deal with it later. I pray that you show them today that today is the day of salvation. Now is the accepted time. And, Lord, you know those here that are saved, and, oh, I thank you so much for that. But, Lord, I pray that not just words that they would hear, not the words of this preacher this morning, but I pray by the power of your Spirit that you would speak to their hearts and show them that, Lord, just as Noah and his family looked out and saw the mountaintops, Lord, if they get in the right place and the right position in their lives, they can see the mountaintops. They can see your handiwork. They can see what you're doing. They can see the fulfillment of your promises and all that you do. Lord, I pray that you would help us to be a people that has that vision. Lord, in the days ahead, in the days ahead that we could just that we could just truly see that blessing and that touch that will bring all the glory and honor to you. We'll give you all the thanks for it in Christ's name. Amen. <laughs>